I'm originally from Costa Rica, and uh, I was saved in the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Uh, I'm a product of the missionary work. I'm a product of the missionary dollars. I'm a product of the missionary prayers. And I'm a product of the missionary involvement of, of, of churches in the United States. My pastor, Bill Murdoch, who passed away 10 years ago at the age of 24 years, he, he packed a van with his wife and two little girls and went drive down to Costa Rica and started Emmanuel Baptist Church where I got saved. And they, they, they trained many men to the ministry and then our church uh, sent send us out as a missionary in the Dominican Republic, in which we've been there for about uh, 28 years. And uh, we've been seeing Lord working uh, through us and through other uh, means of starting churches. And those churches are running by their own self. They're independent churches right now. And we are training men for the ministry. Uh, right now we have uh, uh, three men in our Bible Institute training. One, we want to uh, pray that he could go to the, our, our neighbor country, Haiti, to reach the Haitians. And also we are reaching all the country through literature and other means, uh, uh, any kind of uh, outreach. And uh, please pray for us. And we also mentoring pastors, young pastors who's, who's starting right there in Dominica and in Costa Rica. Mexico and Burma uh, as, a, as our ministry. Well, we travel each three, three months and spend a week there and train and disciple some men for the Lord. So I just uh, covered your prayers for us as we continue doing so. Uh, my wife's from El Salvador. Uh, his name is Consuelo. I miss her greatly this, the, this week here. I have two kids. I say kids. My oldest is Gloria, is 27, and my boy Elias is 24. They're, they're helping me out. I'm blessed to be here. I'm encouraged, equipped, and, and uh, excited to go back and imp implement, correct, and redo, and, uh, and search, out, search out mistakes and do it better for the Lord before he returns. May God bless you, and it's been a blessing and privilege, and thanks for your welcoming, your warm, welcoming, not knowing me, and giving me a hug, and saying hello, and talking to me, and uh, appreciate it very much. May God bless you. Thank you, Pastor, and thank church. Okay, so, so let's pray for, for Pastor Givens and his work in the Dominican, and Tom, if you could just lead us in that. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much uh, for this man, for his ministry. We thank you for the heart uh, moving him from Costa Rica to the DR. And Lord, I just pray that you take the tools and the encouragement that he has received here and uh, let him take him home and may it just multiply his ministry. God, that your Holy Spirit would just uh, empower the young men and women in the DR that many would come to Christ. Uh, thank you for this day. Thank you for this man. Just uh, give him favor, bless his life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you, brother. My dad was with you in the Dominican Republic, what, 20 years ago, something like that? 30? I'm old. <laughs> but that means my dad's really old. <laughs> okay. So for 30 years, I've been hearing uh, from my dad about this man, you know, Lexus Givens, and, and uh, what a 
mighty man of God he is and the incredible work that, that God's using him to do in the Dominican Republic. And, and so I've prayed for this brother off and on over the years. And, and, uh, and then Sunday night, we're here, and they introduce him as soon as I hear his name. I'm like, I'm, I'm meeting a legend. And so you want to get to know this man, okay, Lexus Givens. He's a, a faithful servant of the Lord. Um, so we need to um, hear about, you know, the key men who are proven, trained in key tools, right? The usage of a biblical philosophy of ministry. And then how is that multiplying ministry around the world to key locations? And so, um, you know, I think everybody's familiar with the work that Mark Trotter's doing in Malawi, right? Uh, training pastors, and, and we've, we've had a lot of conversation about that over the years. Well, there are many like things happening, and, and they're represented in the local church ministries that we have in the Living Faith Fellowship. And so I want you to hear about how a biblical philosophy of ministry and, and biblical churches are propagating around the world. And so I want you to just uh, uh, welcome Brian Hedges. And uh, Brian's going to fill us in on, uh, you didn't know this was coming because I didn't want you to prepare a PowerPoint, okay? Uh, he has a PowerPoint because he's going to, he's going to give us an update on, uh, we got to keep a focus on propagating the Word of God. Man, you want to talk about a key tool? Uh, the Word of God's everything, amen? <laughs> and so Brian's going to take a little bit of time and um, uh, keep us focused on the need to get the word of God out, all right? But then after that, so here's the surprise, okay. Uh, I want you to just briefly, once you, once you get us focused on the scripture, just briefly tell about uh, what you did in Orissa with Pradeep okay. and how that, you know, three, what was it, almost four years of investment. Five. Oh, five years, okay. I want tell that tell that story and, um, uh, you know, as concisely as, see what God does. All right. Okay. Praise the Lord. In 10 minutes or less. So, well, hey, I am glad that, uh, thank you. And uh, man, Sam, was, uh, this is awesome. No, it's fine. I'm good. I, uh, I just want to say to everybody, uh, man, what an incredible thing that God is doing here. And among our fellowship of churches, it's an incredible thing. And especially the younger folk, you know, um, man, seize hold of what God has here because this, really, um, this is really important to the kingdom of God. It's not about us. It is about the Lord, isn't it? So I just want to thank Sam for the opportunity, you know, to, to be able to be here and speak to the, the folks and the pastors and the churches, especially though just the just the rank and file, because everyone is a missionary, and you've been hearing that, and you've been hearing about the the mission of key men getting the word of God to to key cities with key tools, and uh, that is so important. And so, in the next few minutes, I just want to visit about a faith-based view of Bible translation. And uh, when we talk about that, uh, man, I am not the right guy to you know carry that banner. Uh, Brian, tell me about your, your, you know, study of lexicon. I don't know any, I don't even know what lexicon means. So I don't even know if I use that in the right context, but I do know this. I do know the word of God. First Corinthians chapter one says in verse 27, 
But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And God can use all of us <clears throat> to do things above and beyond what we ask or think. And so theology does, though, inform your methodology. And so what we're learning here uh, in our churches and what we're learning from the Word of God, not only uh, ab- about the Word of God, but, but what the Word of God is in and of, of itself is so important. The Bible teaches us about God's mission to impact the way you organize and execute the ministry because we really do believe that, you know, as we invest the Word of God in key men and go to key cities with key tools, then God's going to accomplish His mission for His glory. And so there's some key things that we hold to. Um, number one, that the, the Word of God is settled in heaven. Right? When we talk about a faith-based view of Scripture, we talk about how the Word of God is settled in heaven. And, you know, Psalm 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And it's available on earth. If you were at the Certainty Conference, we talked about that. God's Word is available to us, right? We have it right now. We have the certainty of God's Word. And, and so Proverbs chapter 22 uh, speaks to that. And it says, not, Have not I written to thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge that I might make thee to know the certainty of the words of truth that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that, uh, that send unto thee. So there's three aspects of that issue of the Bible being available on earth that we can learn about. Number one, uh, the word is written, right? You have the word of God. It's not just tucked away in the original autographs, wherever those are, but we have the word of God. It is written. The Bible says so. We just read that in Proverbs chapter 22. We also understand the words are written that we might know the certainty of the words of truth. So not only are they written, but they're written that we might know them. But then also, of course, the third thing is that we might go with those words, right? So there's, there's important, it's very important that we grasp hold of that. And then the words of the Lord are pure words, so they're not just, you know, an amalgamation of concepts. These are actually the words of the Lord. And Psalm chapter 12 speaks to that in verses 6 and 7. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So the word is pure, the word is proven, and the word is preserved. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, we know that the word, right, is, is we just celebrate Christmas. The word became flesh. But the word was in the beginning. The word was also in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, was handled, right? And then also the word of God is preserved forever. Psalm chapter 12 and verse 7 says he resurrected, he's ascended, and he is eternal in the beginning. And he is also the omega, he is at the end. So the word should be available to the people of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9 speaks to that before the seals are open. So there is work to be done in this dispensation. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road because we all get theological here. I just said theology drives our methodology, so we got to make a decision because we know every dispensation ends in failure. So right now, this morning, we got to make a decision. Are we going to be failures? That's a decision that we make. Just because uh, every dispensation ends in failure doesn't mean we have to, right? And there's always, a, there's always somebody, right, that finds grace in the eyes of the Lord and that carries the mission of God forward as they ought. So uh, that's in essence what I want to talk to you about is just the concept of what we're doing and what we're really wanting to do is we want to get the ball to the goal line, right? And, uh, and so we want to make sure that the, the gospel gets where it needs to go on time. And we do that obviously by taking the word of God wherever it needs to go. And when we do that, when we go to all these places, inevitably you're going to find out that not everybody in the world speaks English. <clears throat> yeah, I know, it's shocking especially when you're in America. I mean, I mean, everyone should speak English. 
And, and so, so this is what we got to do. Then we got we to really train up our English linguists, right? We got to send them all over the world so everyone can learn the, the English language so they can read the Bible, right? Uh, I don't know about that. Right, at Acts, Acts chapter 2, God was even careful in Acts, like when he's reversing the curse of Nimrod, to, you know, let everyone hear in their own tongue. Yeah. And so it behooves us to, to be sensitive, especially us who claim to understand and have the words of God in our language for us to carry the ball and take them where they need to go. And you're like, well, Brian, how do you do that? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. Uh, I, I just got to be honest with you. This is a faith-based view of Bible translation, right? So uh, we got to go by faith. We know what God wants, and then we got to take the next right step of trusting him to do that. So uh, there is a lot of, I want to also preface this, there's a lot of talk today about we got to get this done because it's not until all these nations are reached that Jesus will come. That's not really biblical either in the sense that that's Matthew 21, 14 and uh, the tribulation will come, you know, uh, and that, that is in the context of the coming tribulation. Uh, I said, did I say 21, Matthew 24, verse 14. And so the reality is this, God leaves it kind of ambiguous because we know what Revelation chapter five says in verse nine, but we know the dispensation ends in a failure. So then it boils right back down to us. What are we gonna do about that? Are you gonna be part of those that are successfully getting the word of God where it needs to go? To every kindred, to every people, to every tongue, to every nation. Are you gonna be that? I hope so. I hope I'm that person. I hope you're that person. And so among that, there's a lot of statistics and I'm gonna throw some up real quick and um, this is, I don't, you know, this is stuff that I didn't compile. Wycliffe Bible translators did, and there's more than 1,500 languages that have access to the Bible uh, in the New Testament. Now, that sounds pretty good. Uh, more than 650 languages have a complete translated Bible. Well, that's great. Problem is, those are not reliable translations, but that's okay. 7,000 languages, however, are in use to this day, right now. And so if you boil it down, one and a half billion people, that's about a third, um, don't have a full Bible, uh, and more than 110 million don't have a single verse of Scripture. So there's still work to be done, and more than 2,500 languages across 170 countries have active translation and linguistic work going on. So I would just ask you to consider of the 1,600 languages that still need a Bible project, and probably some of the other ones that are getting, you know, whatever they're getting, Maybe among our group, as we go to key people and key places with key tools, uh, God might raise up some people that would say, you know what, I'm going to take LFBI, I'm going to take my training, my discipleship process, and I'm going to use that in the ministry of Bible translation. And uh, I bring that uh, to you here because uh, I do believe in this group of people in particular. Some of you guys could be called to that. It's like the body, right? Not every part is the eye, not every part is the hand. Everyone has their place. So as I say these things, we should all, just like Paul Clark says, right? We should all struggle <laughs> with uh, you know, being missionaries because we all are missionaries. And so we understand the context and the concept of that. Well, also when it comes to this, this issue of transmission of the word, even if you take a missions trip to, uh, you know, across town here, it's very likely you might need an interpreter. Right? You are actually in the process of translating, getting the word of God, transmitting it where it needs to go in another language. But some of you guys in particular may be gifted. 
And you may need to consider the process that's involved, the preparation. You know, Pastor Alan Shelby says providence uses preparation. And so you need to continue in your preparation beyond even LFBI, perhaps, and, and get some other education. You heard Brandon Briscoe speak of, he got so jacked up over the kids. He's like, you know what, I'm not even going to be a graphic artist anymore. I'm going to go to college and learn how to, to, to educate children. And man, look what God's doing in his life. And so maybe God would be calling somebody in this room that could say, Brian, I can tell it's evident that you really don't know what you're talking about. Praise the Lord. I need you to get the banner, to pick it up and carry that thing all the way to the goal line because of the practicum that I'll speak of here as I wrap up regarding my experience has led me to this burden. As you take the word of God where it needs to go on time, you'll find that what I'm saying is absolutely true. It's heartbreaking when people in their own language do not have a reliable translation of the word of God. As we sit in America and Europe, um, and in, the, in England perhaps, and in the English-speaking world, let's say, and we have 400 years of the word of God in our language, and we're still debating it. Why? There's no debate. We've got it. Right? But there are people that don't. And uh, if anyone should be carrying the ball, and I will say this, I want to give Baptists, independent fundamental types, some credit. Because most of the publishing of the Word of God around the world started right here among our, our grandfathers. When 50% of the population of the world was illiterate. They were mobilizing themselves, visionaries, getting the Bible, getting their printing presses going, understanding that they're going to finish what Gutenberg started. But today we got Google. And it's a lot easier to publish the Word of God. What we need is people that can get it translated into the heart languages of people so they can understand the Word of God. And so I would just challenge you to think about that. One of the churches we work with in Milford, Ohio, in 2020 is going to establish a bona fide linguistics institute two-year program. Uh, You would have to finish LFBI or your institute training uh, to complete that and then be able to even get entrance. And so... Uh, maybe somebody here or some ones would be preparing for that. There's other avenues as well, but be praying about that. So that's what you need to do. You need to pray about it. You need to prepare. And, um, and then um, I, would, I would encourage you to participate. What, how do I do that, Brian? What's the handles of this? Take the next missions trip. Go to a place where they don't speak your language. Experience what it is to get out of your culture into another culture with, in a language that if you speak Spanish and English, then go somewhere where they don't. Go somewhere where there's another place so you can get your head and your mind around it and examine the evidence. Talk to them about what they're hearing. So um, as we, as in closing, I'll I'll kind of pivot here. I don't know where my time is, so I need to be quick. But, you know, Pastor uh, Sam asked me to speak about, you know, my experience. And really my experience has led to my passion for this because as we went to, to India some years ago and, you know, following behind Doug Pearson and the relationships that we have there. Um, you know, we ran into Pradeep Lima and uh, God ordained our, our connection and we began to invest in, a, in an institute similar to what Dan is, is uh, doing with Krista Doss and obviously Mark Trotter, by the way, is doing a tremendous job in Malawi. He's just, he's early the epitome of an example of uh, what you want to do in regard to in equipping indigenous people in the word of God, helping them, not taking over, not building your kingdom, but just helping them. And that was the same heart that we had with Pradeep uh, in the Arisan language, trying to help a guy in, a, in, a, in the armpit of India, um, in, a, in a low caste. In a, it's even in India, you know, it is the place nobody wants to go. 
And so yet it is rich, rich in people and persecution is what led me there. I knew where there's persecution, uh, where there's a battle, right? I want to be involved in real battles. Y'all want to be involved in real battles. Just look for where the persecution's at. That's where the real battles are. And so we began initially uh, deciding that me and Doug were working on a plan to meet in Andhra Pradesh, away from Arissa in the next state, so we could train the men. And God moved us in to, uh, he opened the door and peace came. God took care of all that. So we were able to literally go into uh, Ragara and, uh, and then this church uh, and the churches in our fellowship have helped, helped tremendously, uh, and especially Midtown, of, of partnering with us. Our little church in Harrisonville could not shoulder the load. And once again, I was into something way a bit above my head. And so, uh, man, praise the Lord, uh, all of you guys came along and probably didn't do the best job that we could have, but we did something. And we uh, spent five years systematically bringing the word of God at an institute level, maybe a little too high, uh, to these men uh, that uh, we found were very literate, very capable uh, men, and, and uh, many of them very faithful men. Not all of them, but many of them. And so, uh, and so, uh, you know, I don't know, Pastor, what you want me to say about all of that other than it was quite an investment. Uh, and, and I tell you, before you do something like that, uh, you do have to count the cost before you go to war. And so part of that is your preparation and your training and discipleship, uh, the key tools, the key men, going to the key cities, and invest in your life uh, in the Word of God so you can transmit it to others. Yes, sir. So... Um you know, five years of, I think it was three trips a year? Four trips a year. Four trips a year, okay. So five years, four trips a year, um, teams went in, you know, Dan and Brandon went, I think, on one of them. I know we've had uh, uh, Richmond, Larry, different guys have gone um, to, to help with that and to do the pastoral training. But now they've got all of that material. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pradeep and his men are teaching it now, right? Yes, Can we talk are. about that for a second? Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, that was the goal. And so the goal was not to put them on welfare, Bible welfare. The goal was to make them self-sufficient uh, and sustainable. Dan was just there. He could probably give a report on how well they're doing. But, um, but they are, uh, after that amount of time, Pradeep, by the way, when we met with Pradeep initially, uh, he was not in a position to carry on effectively the institute uh, the way he needed to. And God has systematically uh, trained up key men and partners and uh, with although also the sister church of Greater Grace in Mumbai helped train up faithful partners to supplement and build up around him a team that can sustain discipleship at an institute level. Uh, now, discipleship there doesn't look exactly like it does here. Uh, they use the tools, and they, but they do a little bit more of a group discipleship, and, and uh, you know, it's fitted for their culture. You know what? That's Pradeep's ministry. That's Pradeep's culture. That's Pradeep's church. I'm not going to answer at the judgment seat of Christ for his church and, and his ministry, but he has a vision to spread that across the, all the states and sending men out of their institute, just like, just like we have here, to go and reach every state in Arissa. And he's not playing. He's serious about that. And uh, so pray for Pradeep because he has shouldered the load um, with minimal um, American support. Uh, we do support him, but we are, he's, he's not getting rich off of the USA. Uh, and, uh, and he is going forward. And, uh, and I'm very adamant about the reality that you've got to reproduce um, this discipleship model in local churches in, in your area, in your region, in your sphere of influence. Um, without American dollars, 
Uh, we're not, we may not, you know, a nuclear bomb could hit us, right? So uh, you've got to be able to go forward. Um, and of course we want to help and we do help. Uh, but the model of, of us owning all that and us, uh, me being the Pope is really what I was trying to get away from. And I think we have, uh, we have some major success. So, so the judgment seat of Christ will bear that out. But that has been the goal and it, uh, it seems to have taken. And, uh, and, and you could probably speak to that as well as anybody from being there just recently. So, so it's, it's really a, a pretty wonderful thing. You know, Brian organized uh, his church and then uh, uh, I know our church came in behind him to support him, uh, to partner with him in that, but basically ended up taking a biblical philosophy of ministry to Arissa, installed it, did the technical support, the training for it, and then, you know, wa walk them through the owner's manual of a biblical philosophy of yeah. ministry, and now they're running it. They're running it. Ministry is multiplying. You know, these guys, they, they're, I mean, they're like-minded. Yeah. <laughs> They've got a faith-based approach to the word and the work of God. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. And, and from there, it's spreading out into other villages and, and uh, it's just a, it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and they're asking for translation work now. And they're asking for so, translation work. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, don't, don't step away just yet because okay. you need to pray for us. Okay. Um, do you guys get how critical it is, what, what Brian is saying? We have the word of God. And if we don't take it to people who need it, who's going to do it? And so there are some of you that, you know, you're not... Um, you're not confounded by language, by, you know, like somebody like me. <laughs> I will never be able to do that. But you could do that, and you could lay down your life making sure that another group of people somewhere in the world has the Word of God. And God, God's going to use that. Uh, he's going to use you to do that. He's going to use that in the life of people, and and, and you have the capacity. Now, it'll take you literally laying down your life because you're going to have to do the hard work. I mean, you're going to take the Word of God and translate it? Oh, my goodness, what accountability. What, what a serious call that that is. You, you, don't, you don't play at that. You don't hack that in. You, know? you, you don't get close. Um, and yet, with all my heart, I believe that out of the Living Faith Fellowship, God is going to burden some young people, some young, fresh mind to get humble and say, I'll do the work. <laughs> I'll give my life to that process. And there'll be people in another place who speak another language and have an entirely different culture. And they're going to be able to hear God's voice in their own language. And he's going to use me to do that. Um, is there anyone, I'm not saying that you're saying that this is me, but you know you need Pastor Brian to pray for you to just own that concept, just to be praying about that and to be trusting the Lord for that. How many would say, and I'm not just talking to the young people now, I'm just talking to the Living Faith Fellowship. How many would say, Pastor, pray for me um, about my involvement, my part in owning the propagation of Scripture into other languages. Please pray for me. Can I just see your hand really big? Amen. All right, anybody else? Pray for me. I need, to, I need to have a part of owning that. For some of you, it's just going to be writing checks. You definitely need prayer. <laughs> Everybody, okay. Brian, could you pray for us? Absolutely. Thank you. 
Heavenly Father, it's uh, such a privilege to come before your throne and see these hands go up. They're, they're moved. Lord, you're stirring in your people to take the word of God where it needs to go on time, and the clock is ticking. Heavenly Father, there are people here that you've uniquely equipped to help in some way, and, and Lord, uh, as we help, Lord, not all of us have to be translators and, and linguists, but some are. Lord, some are support and some are, uh, Lord, going to be on teams to help check and, and be a part of taking the word of God where it needs to go and allowing God and his providence to use the process of, of inspiration and inscripturation and translation and preservation. Lord, that is what you do. The priesthood of believers is used in that capacity. So, Lord, I come before you knowing that, that we are priests and kings, Lord, and our purpose here is to serve you. And we don't claim to be able to do anything in our own accord. Lord, we know that you are the one who provides. And so, Father, I pray for these that have lifted hands especially, and for all, even those that haven't, Lord, that have lifted their hearts to you this morning. Lord, we ask for your provision. Lord, uh, nothing starts without prayer. Prayer is so integral to what we're doing. And as we come to you, Lord, we come to the Heavenly Father, we're asking for help, and we ask for grace to help in time of need, for there are people that are probably praying right now whose hearts are sensitive, Lord, and the Bible promises us that if those have a broken and contrite heart, you will hear their prayer. Lord, we know that you want to communicate to them, and you want to use more than the trees and the sun and the moon and the creation around them. And Lord, you may want to send them a missionary. You may want to send them a mission team. And you may want to send them eventually a translation team to get the word of God in their language because they will be faithful to steward that word. They will give their people group an opportunity to actually fulfill the great commission from where they're at. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray that you would be formed in us, that Christ would be formed in us and that we would then transfer that growth in others, that the seed of your word would be deeply rooted in our hearts, Lord, and, and that if there be any roots of any other sort, any root of bitterness, anything in our hearts that is hindering the work of God, Lord, put that aside, sanctify us, set apart, Lord, help us to be who you saved us to be so we can accomplish that which you saved us to do. And in regard to this particular endeavor, of the transmission and the translation of your word, God. Equip this body, this group, this collective of churches, this assembly to get the word of God where it needs to go on time. Lord, protect us. Lord, give us wisdom. Oh, Heavenly Father, guide us. Open the providential doors, the doors of utterance that start with that inspiration. Lord, help us come around with that word of God that, that we're able to present and to put in people's hands, wherever it may be. Oh, God, we pray, Lord, and we ask you, to do your work in our lives individually and in our churches collectively to accomplish your mission, to be faithful to the Great Commission before you come. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it. I thank God for Pastor Hedges. Yeah. Okay, so Alan and I were talking about it yesterday. We didn't want to give anybody any real warning or heads up because we know pastors, and you'd be up all night working on a PowerPoint and a presentation, and we just don't have time for that.
but we want to hear from you what is your church doing to promote the training of men and the development, the mastery, the use of key tools, right? Proven men with proven tools. Um, and then to support the work of the ministry multiplying around the world. Amen? Key locations, key cities. And so, um, uh, Pastor, be thinking about that. And, um, and um, we'll get started here in just a second. Tonight will be our last session for Focus Pastor Grace is going to be wrapping things up for us. Praise the Lord. Pastor, thank you for coming. Um, we really appreciate your investment in us. It's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. What we're going to do is we're going to receive an offering tonight for the cost of the conference. All right? So be praying about that. Uh, I'm primarily, personally, I am primarily speaking to MBT. Okay? Be praying about supporting the cost of this conference. Uh, it costs money to fly people in. Um, you know, the oxen need to eat. I'm not calling Pastor Grace a cow, but <laughs> the oxen need to eat. And, uh, you know, and, and I think we fed, Christine, we fed 300 and some people every morning every, and for lunch. We're not feeding you for lunch today because you're gonna grab a missionary, amen? Everybody's going to grab a missionary, grab a pastor, grab somebody and take them out to eat and pick their brain in Jesus' name. But, uh, you know, all of this, there's a cost associated with that. And so we're going to trust the Lord to raise the, the money to cover that conference. And 10%, uh, anything that comes in here at MBT, 10% off the top is going to go to the building fund in Romania. Okay? Does that make sense? So it's critical that you give because the building fund in Romania needs a boost to the tune of about $55,000 is what we found out the other day. So be praying about that. We wanna, we wanna see the building fund. Okay, so once the cost of the conference is covered, then anything over and above that just goes straight to the Romanian building fund. Does that make sense? So 10% uh, of everything that comes into the offering tonight goes to the remaining building fund, and then once the cost of the conference is covered, then uh, anything above that goes straight to a building so that the church in Romania has a place to meet and they don't get called a cult anymore for meeting in somebody's house. Amen? So that's, uh, be praying about that. Be praying about your part. All right, Dan. Um, Share with everybody how you've taken what Brian's done and now you're next stepping it in other parts of India. Well, that's exactly what happened. Uh, we were invited to participate in uh, the vision that God had given Brian and uh, obviously connected with Doug Pearson. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, there's only a few of us that have even been to Arissa, but I know you have spent so many trips there. Uh, we've, we've done the conference at different locations because he'd been kicked out of here or here. And, and, um, and so I don't remember the last place that, that you were, but they were on the third floor and the orphans were on the second floor. Now he's, he, he lives on the first floor of this, of this building. Last time that, uh, I went there with, um, it was Brandon Briscoe and Uriah Ginther and Blade Spiza. Um, we went up to the third floor and, and half of the 
the roof was still exposed. It was just open, torn tarps and rough concrete. And if it rained, you could feel it, right? Uh, and it was, it was halfway covered, but on the back end, you remember this, right? Not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, they have tile floors. They have ceiling fans. It's completely enclosed. Uh, I walked up, you know, and I, I had no idea what to expect. And I walk up, and, you know, it's, it's like the reveal, you know. And I'm just thinking, God, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing here? It's so amazing. And, and uh, it was so encouraging to be back uh, with, to see Pradeep and, and I was so glad that Pastor Best got to see the work there in person. Um, one of the first things that they said, and, and this is one of the things that, that a lot of uh, Indian pastors struggle with, is, is the people are too poor to give, right? And the first thing, right, the first thing he starts to show us, and, and widows are coming before Pastor Pradeep and different people, and they're bringing their offerings, and he's just telling us, and you can tell he's so excited because people are catching it. The no, no, we're, we're not too poor to give to the Lord what he's blessed us. It's our responsibility, our right, our privilege. And so people, uh, and this isn't really what I'm talking about for our conferences, but I just want to give a report that they're giving, they're, they're, they're catching it, they're, they're seeing the vision and man, I, I goosebumps, and I'm just like, ah, you know, like this is it. And yeah, it's just money, but I'll tell you, it's ownership. Yeah. You know, they 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 were they caught what was taught, right? And uh, and they're going with it. And man, I'll tell you what, whether we did a good job or or, or not, I know I know Brian and his his church did a good job, but whether we did <laughs> is debatable. But they got it. And, and they are going, just like they have been, but they're going two by two into villages. And I wonder what they're teaching. Oh, they're teaching the things that we taught them and, and, and what, what has been taught to us, you know, to continue thou on the things that you've learned. And so anyway, what we wanted to do with another relationship that God had providentially provided us uh, is do the same thing. And, and I call it LFBI light. I don't know if that's a good way of putting it, but it's, it's kind of just a, a little bit lighter of a version. An intensive. That sounds a lot better. Yeah. Yes. Uh, see, I'm new at this. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, but, so what we're doing is um, we are taking the same type of schooling, if you will. And I would say it's D1, D2, and LFBI. Uh, mainly focusing on Bible survey, uh, pastoral procedures, a biblical understanding of counseling, and then eschatology to finish off. We're wanting to take pastors and leaders through this process, and it's going to be a three-year school, and this is with Christodos Erla. Pastor Pradeep is in Orissa, and so if India is kind of like a, an upside-down teardrop, right? Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, there's some visuals. Uh, if, if India is like a, an upside-down teardrop, Arissa is in the northeast, if you will. Hyderabad is in south-central. And we are going into the Hyderabad area and, and the areas around. Uh, different language. You know, it, they speak Telugu. 
and, uh, and Arissa, they speak Aria. But uh, we are wanting to do the same thing that God allowed us to be a part of with Christos and his men. And so we, you can go to the next slide. There, hold on, go back. Go back. There's me with like, I'm like a growth out of Chris Best's. I mean, look at Brian. Look at Brian Bustos. He, he looks like a, a J. Crew ad or something. And, and I'm like, you know. Uh, Christodos and his wife Martha, she's awesome. She's awesome. Uh, and so is he. But, but they're, they're the, the family that's there. This is their home. Let's go to the next slide. And this is our first location of training. This is in Patapali, India, which is northeast of Hyderabad, about four hours northeast of Hyderabad. And in the morning sessions before the kids broke off, they would even be a part of just a little part of it. Um, and uh, the ladies are sitting on the side and, and the pastors and, and leaders in the back. This might have been Sunday morning. Was this the Sunday morning service before the conference? I think so. But anyway... Um, I was taking photos when I, I probably should have been taking, taking notes. We can go to the next one. Okay, so this is uh, Pastor Best again. Christodos is the one that looks like he's smoking a cigarette. So uh, I thought there, there's a lot of good photos that I could use, but that one's the best. So, uh, you know, there's liberty. So just got to think about the temple. The temple of God, just think about it, how, where you want to be in 30 years. But uh, praise the Lord, right? I think he was vaping, so it's, it's better. Uh, okay, we can go to the next one. Uh, so this is, this is the pastor's school. And Christodos is closing down one of our, one of our sessions. And uh, it's full of godly men throughout the area, some of them traveling hours and hours just to be here for these two-day conferences. And so this is in Petapali. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Uh, this is also in Petapali. This is the youth. And so uh, we, we want the pastors to catch this vision. I'm, I'm praying that it's not just a midtown and a living faith thing. I'm asking Pastor Brian Hedges to be a part of it. Uh, I've been talking with Tony Godfrey. Uh, I, I talked with Thomas uh, last night about it. Man, it, talk with me. There's so much to be said about what's going on, but also there's opportunity for your young men. Maybe they're not quite ready to teach pastors, and maybe it's not even appropriate, you know, for a couple young young guys. Let me show you what I know, you know. Uh, this is also a good opportunity, though. So let's go to the next one. This is outside of Badrachalam, and so we were in Petapali. This is in Badrachalam, and we're doing the same conference. So we're doing two two-day conferences, and you can see that, that this location is, is more uh, in its beginning stages. But Christodos, who's in the back taking a photo, uh, was, was the man responsible to train up many of the men here in Badrachalam. And so we did the same conference here as well. And I don't know if there's anything else that I, any more photos I gave you. This is just one of the villages we went to. At this location, we had uh, triple translation. Or we had, so if I spoke, then it was translated, and then it was translated again so that everyone in the room could, could uh, understand. It was pretty cool. Pretty cool experience. I, that might be it. I don't know if there's any more photos. Oh, and then this is, this is we visited Pradeep. That's not the focus of, of our trips because he's already gone through the schooling, but I did. I wanted Pastor Best and, and a lot of people from Midtown to see what God had been doing uh, with uh, Pastor Pradeep. And so this is their church. Yeah, they're gone. 
they're back. So, uh, but anyway, they were saying, they were saying uh, hello and you know, they love us. But here's the thing. We have an opportunity, uh, just like we, we did with Arissa, uh, to train up pastors and leaders with a faith-based view of the scriptures, with a, uh, a faith-based view of ministry, uh, and that we don't have to go outside of the book to train leaders, but the book is our teacher. It is our guide. And I'll tell you, you know, and Pastor Bess, you can, you can acknowledge it as well. We just figured, let's give this a shot. Let's see if they're interested. We don't know. Uh, and we, we said, if you come back, we'll come back. <laughs> that was kind of it. And um, we asked, we gave homework assignment, which is begin a discipleship relationship with one of your leaders or one, one of your men or, or, you know, for the ladies, one of the ladies in, in the church. And we said, who wants to be a part of this three-year school? And man, everyone just went, every hand. And so um, during our trip, we, we spoke to, I would say estimate, about 250 pastors, leaders, and church members in the conferences alone. Uh, you multiply that if, if, just say, they all go back to a church and they're investing in 10 people. We're now speaking of 2,500 people that can begin to capture a proper uh, philosophy of discipleship, uh, a faith-based view of scripture, and a proper way of leading, you know? And so uh, it's, the opportunity is, is full, it's rich. Uh, it is a three-year school. We're gonna be doing three conferences a year. Uh, we do need pastors. We need pastors. Uh, but we also desire that uh, growing leaders to be a part of this as well. Uh, three-year school over the next three years. We've already done trip one. I'm going back with uh, Hunter Spiza. I don't know if he's here today. He might be at work. There he is. Uh, me and him are, are doing trip number two. Uh, we'll be teaching the rules of Bible study, and we'll be talking about uh, uh, the nine principles of ministry enablement, which is a Midtown Baptist temple and a living faith uh, thing, and then the 23 character qualities of a man or woman of God. And so you, you can kind of see how we're, we're we're just beginning. We talked about the philosophy of discipleship, the cost of discipleship, how to disciple, the four goals of discipleship in our first trip. And man, it was just, uh, it was wonderful. And so uh, I, there's so many things going on. The, the, the work in Malawi, uh, the work in Hungary, uh, the different works that, that many of the missionaries have spoken about. It's not a competition. It's just that would you pray with us and if God is leading you, would you participate with us? Talk to me. Uh, you can talk to Pastor Best as well um, and uh, would love to give you more information. And so I apologize if I've gone too long, but um, it really is a wonderful opportunity. And so thanks so much. Appreciate it. Um, does, so, um, Brian, you still got your mic, right? Yeah, so does anybody at this point have a question about uh, Bible translation? Do you have a question about the Bible school that Brian did with Pradeep? in India or the one that we're working on uh, centered out of Hyderabad. Any questions about any of that? I have a question for Brian. I have a question for Brian. If we do have some of these people interested in the linguistic school in Ohio, mm -hmm. you said they would need to be a graduate of a Bible Institute. Yes. Would there be language requirements before they could get into that? Like, would they have to have some Hebrew and Greek or that sort of a thing? I don't think they would in? have to have that to, to enter. Okay. I do have the prerequisites. Um, I, I can get those to you. 
Um, I don't have them on my, I don't have them memorized. But I do think that that is what they will equip you in. Um, and what they'll want is your theology. And there will be prerequisites in, in that regard. And they have already talked to them about working with us. So it's, uh, it's underway. So the school in Ohio, uh, can I take that through online in like other country like Japan or while I'm in Japan? I, I would, at this time, I can't speak to that. I don't probably think they're prepared for that at this time. Um, so I, that's a good question. That's a, I'd have to get back with you to give you a certain answer on that, one way or the other. Any other questions for uh, Alan? Oh, I got the mic. So I have just a maybe question slash suggestion. Um, maybe if Brian and Dan could write a blog post and Brian could say, here's what we did in four years. Here's what we thought was important, mm -hmm. year one, two, three, four. And Dan, here's what we did last year, like you just described. And maybe here's what we plan on doing next. And, and that would give other, you know, pastors that tune into that LFF.com an idea of what participating meant in terms of teaching those pastors and things like that. I just would add one of the things that I did initially was uh, attempted to, for pastors that are interested in this sort of thing uh, to work with Pradeep and uh, Pastor Carl Silva initially to develop the pattern that we were going to use uh, because uh, Pradeep is also working with greater grace of Mumbai. But uh, it's important to prepare with the indigenous pastor um, and give them the roadmap because they're, they're the ones that are going to carry the ball. And so it's also from the very beginning we talk about ownership. And this was not as easy as it sounds, actually, once we got underway. Uh, I realized that um, our, my Western mind didn't necessarily, it wasn't as cohesive with the Eastern mindset. So, uh, and also being a Westerner, introducing yourself into that culture, they'll, they'll do whatever you say, yes, sir, you know. Um, and so it's really important that you, that you really communicate clearly that they're driving this bus. Obviously, you make suggestions and you kind of help with our process and, and give them good, strong suggestions on the way they should go. But at the end of the day, I made sure Pradeep was driving, or I tried my best, along with me and Doug, to make sure that he was the one setting the tone on what was going to be taught next and how we were going to do it. That wasn't always as easy as, it, as we would make it think, think it would be as Westerners, but uh, because they want to please us. So um, and that's part of the training in itself, is making sure they carry the ball. And uh, that's because if they don't carry it, the next guy's going to come in, and they're going to do whatever they say. Then they'll be speaking in tongues, you know. And so, it's really you've really got to do a lot of vetting under the in these situations. There is a <clears throat> real flexibility too. What the the main focus that that we are going in on this is to train up pastors and leaders and and sound doctrine, but. There are other opportunities that, that are available, you know, especially for some of our young men or some of the people that are in LFBI. You could pray about joining the work, and maybe you won't be teaching the pastors and the leaders, but maybe you could also get on the back of a, of a motorbike and, and go from village to village, which is what they're doing right now, and training up uh, different 
church members at the different churches throughout. Maybe you need to uh, pray about living in Petapali or Badrachalam for, you know, four months or whatever it is and begin raising support now so that you can be um, self-sufficient and not a burden to them, but actually a benefit to the work. So that, that, there's just a lot of and, and two or three hundred dollars a month covers everything. Okay, real fast. Uh, you can take care of a single, you know, a pastor for uh, fifty to one hundred and fifty dollars a month. Like, like, yes. Yeah. Another spot that would really be a great support for this track of training is uh, there's even space for ladies to come and do women's conferences, like woman to woman, and and. Uh, uh, parenting and child raising. I mean, there's 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 a lot of opportunity for our gals, potentially, right? Yes. And, and when we first went, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like you know, man, we love our ladies, but but they're cooking. <laughs> you know, there was a little bit of a. Uh, it's shifting. It, it, there's some there's some good things, uh, yeah. that, and and it's shifting to where there's more opportunity for them to sit in and learn as well, and. And, and, and children's ministry, you know, instead of the children being kind of set off to the yeah, side, training them shift. up. You yeah, know, now yeah. the, the more rural you get, and especially in Arissa, it, it, it's, it's more difficult, but there is a shift. And so, Brian, you had something. Well, I, I just would add, Lauren Stovall's here this morning. We sent her for six months. So, um, do I need to move, or is this cool sitting here? You want me up there? Is that what she said? So, I'll stand up anyway. So Lauren, she was, where's Lauren at? She's back here. She spent about, well, really nine months total. So she's been in doc, fully engrossed and uh, in a trip. And, and uh, she could speak better to the women than I could. But uh, if, if you have questions to that, she worked really hard at, um, at getting the word into the, the female population. And, uh, and it was... Uh, they're very open. It's one of the best untapped resources uh, that that you have in India. Um, those women are sharp. Even in Orissa, many of them were bilingual, spoke English. Could they were listening to us in English? No problem. Um, taking notes uh, is amazing. Um, but we did have a, a little bit of a wall in uh, in uh, Orissa. So uh, I would continue to pray about that. And I just say that to say women are very valuable, uh, but it's not America. So. If you have questions on what might be a best way to approach something like that, I think Lauren could add some real value to that discussion. Is there anything you would add to that? Get her mic on her. Kale, can you help me? Thanks. Just with the women's ministry, the way that the country views women. it's not like America. So it was very different. It's a harder field to invest in. But like Pastor Brian said, the girls, they crave the word of God. They crave women to invest in them. So I was really blessed just to be there for about nine months and invest in them and the, the kids. So it was great to see pictures of your guys' trip, just to see my family. <laughs> to teach an American philosophy of Christianity, right? But a, but a right. biblical philosophy and, like you're saying, allowing Pradeep, you know, to, to guide us. Or, or for us, it'd be Christos or the pastors yeah. there. Um, but there's it, there's an open door for that, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Good, 
What would be the... I was talking to Pastor Chris about it because initially you want those first, do you want those couple years of trips or even those first few to be really focused on the pastors and like so vision wise in terms of how the women can be utilized or even start going in that way? Because yeah, there can be different like um, outlets of like spending months there, but like in terms of a living faith like trip in, for the women and the children to be equipping in those ways. So what would kind of be a practical like vision wise of what that it's definitely, it's definitely an opportunity. Uh, we just got to figure out how we can make sure that we're not just doing something to do it. Let's add it on, but in the mission focus that we're actually focusing. And so the, the main goal right now is that we're training the pastors and leaders. But, you know, we took Seth and Alvaro to train up the youth. And so we absolutely want to look at every opportunity. We just got to make sure that, that we're doing it in the right capacity um, and being sensitive to their needs. Yeah, so yes. I would just add to that. Something, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'd add to that. Just well, We did send in a discipleship team um, without pastors on purpose uh, because of the, the the caste system that is just intuitive and in the, in the culture, the tribal system. Um, you know, we really want them to see that you don't have to have a pastor lead the discipleship trip. So a couple years in, we sent Tyler Scholes, who ended up being a pastor, of course. He was well-equipped. But at the time, he and Jason were in our institute, and they were not, quote, pastors. And we sent them in with their wives. And uh, intentionally, without any of our pastoral covering or any of your guys' pastoral covering, just to, to illustrate that, look, our common, our common folk, um, I told them to minimize your titles and your, all of that stuff, our common folk, came in here and did the discipleship because your people, the hardest thing that we faced in ERISA was just getting the common people engaged. And it's still, it's still an over, it's just a cultural issue because it's a top-down type of you know, culture. So uh, uh, it's important, though, because a lot of the best resources are going to be isolated. So there's a sense, a sense of doing biblical discipleship is somewhat of a cultural shift in, any, in, in, a, in a Western culture or an Eastern culture. Uh, and so uh, Paul was pretty much a, uh, was a revolutionary in how he dealt with women in the context of his culture. And discipleship does bring a little bit of friction. But where there's some friction, there's some traction. So, um, you know, all of y'all listening here, make sure you're trusting the leadership of Dan and uh, the people that are leading in your churches to have wisdom and discernment on how to do these things. <clears throat> I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Alan, were you going to say something? Well, I, is 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 where's, is Mark Trotter in here? Oh yeah, he's with the youth. He's with the youth. Okay, yeah. So I, so I'm just going to clarify with uh, you know when I said blog post, what Brandon facilitates, putting up on LFF.com, and uh, you know because I think it would be fascinating for you to describe. Here's what we did with them driving the bus. So it's not just what we knew we could do, but it's what they actually wanted. And then maybe, you know, Dan, here, here's what we have done in our planning, which might be different in South Central India than it is in Northeast India. And that, mm -hmm. that'd be interesting study. Well, here's, here's what, you know, they wanted to tweak this way. And then if we can get Mark Trotter to give a, a thumbnail sketch of yeah. what he's doing in that's Malawi, well, then that's a whole different hemisphere. But it helps us see 
um, what, you know, based on what we know we have here, what are they wanting in different locations? How can we be flexible and adaptable um, to the things that they need? Then um, let's uh, get our next pastor volunteer to give us a, give us a, an overview of what your church is doing to propagate missions, key men with key tools to key locations. No takers? I know George can do it. <laughs> is there it? Wait, let me back up a second. Where are the pastors? Just raise your hand. So we got George. Okay, we got you guys. Alan, got Brett. Uh, anybody willing? You'll you'll take just a few minutes to describe what your church is doing to propagate the mission. Uh, what, however, God's leading your church to propagate the mission around the world. Yeah. Yeah, we're, I'm, we'll start putting. Okay, so we're going to put them on the spot for hungry. Okay, all right. Uh, can you run that back to Kale and Brett? I just, I just walked in. I feel guilty. <laughs> I shouldn't talk. Uh, okay, well, um, so Wildwood's kind of like Seinfeld. It's, it, it's the no plan plan. Uh, uh, so, basically, for for us, we just found um, our whole mission strategy when we began was basically uh, based out of the fact that <clears throat> you know no nobody seemingly worthy wanted to come to the banquet, and so after sending out the invitations to the to a certain group of people, finally they just went out to the to the highways and the byways and brought in all the forgotten. And uh, that's kind of our our strategy. We found that those are the people that 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 want to um, that want to hear the gospel and that care about well, what we care about. Um, so you know, all the respectable people that you could um, you know build things with, um, they weren't interested in what Wildwood was doing. Um, so we just started going to the people who were forgotten. That's basically our entire our our entire strategy is. Uh, if we're going to spend energy trying to give people the gospel, uh, we want it to be people who will listen to us. And um, the demographic that does that, for us at least, um, our definition of key people would be people that actually want to listen. And uh, the people that want to listen are not what m most people would consider key people. <laughs> so our key people are, are, are non-key people. Um, and, uh, and so we started going to... Uh, we started going to juvenile detention centers, and then from there, uh, you know, we we started going to different countries. And uh, I I I found myself in the middle of uh, um, uh, Croatia, and then later um, Hungary, and we just were ministering to people who would listen. The people who would listen in Croatia and Hungary were uh, gypsy kids. Um, they don't like that term over there. They prefer, they prefer the term Roma. Uh, but we just ministered to Roma kids and Hungarian national orphans. 
And we found those were the people that would listen, so we started giving them the gospel. I stayed uh, one summer in an, in an orphanage um, in Vosh County, uh, which is uh, the extreme uh, western side of Hungary, right next to uh, Austria. And uh, we began to do summer camps and winter camps out of that. And um, <clears throat> we just started leading people to Christ. And um, we knew we had to get a church planted there. So after a while, we probably have over there uh, former communist uh, uh, workers, uh, current children's workers, um, and Hungarian orphans, um, and Roma um, orphans, we probably have somewhere now between, I think, seven, and, seven to eight hundred people that we've led to Christ over there uh, in Hungary and uh, in Romania and in Austria. And so we, we, just, we knew we had key cities. Uh, we knew that we had found key people. Uh, we started get, g- gaining a lot of respect with the, um, with the child care workers. Um, and uh, we met um, governors, and that means something a little bit different over mayors and governors don't quite mean the same thing, but high, higher ranking government officials and key people in, um, in, in child care in Hungary. And uh, those, be- those began to become our, 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 our contacts. And we just got back from handing out Christmas gifts over there uh, in uh, handicapped schools um, and in orphanages. And in, I think even a, were we in a public school, a public elementary school this year? Yeah, so it's been interesting because we've, we've, been, there for, we've been there long enough. I've been going there uh, one to two to sometimes three times a year now for, man, I think 10 years. I think I hit, I think I hit the decade mark that, 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 that I've been over there. And um, <clears throat> we finally found the right guy, uh, Kale Horvath, um, decided that he was going to go and plant a church and, and, and get things moving over there as a missionary. It's going to be a really unique thing. I'm sure he's, he's presented it to you, but... Um, we, we have converts, adults and kids that have been asking me to come over there and start a church. Please come over and start a church. Some of the kids that we led to Christ 10 years ago, they're, they're, they have kids. I mean, they're married. They have careers. They have jobs. And they've been asking me for a decade, you know, will you send somebody over there? Um, I've got at least at least 50 people in five different cities in Hungary who, who, who contact me on a monthly basis about when are you going to start a church in Hungary? We're, we, we, we've been waiting for this, you know. Um, and <clears throat> so our first person isn't even from our, our church. Our first person is Kale, and he's going to go over there and, and do what he can do. So we, we actually backed into it. We did it accidentally. I didn't know, I didn't know the strategy was key people, key cities, and you know, and, and key tools. I just, I was just trying to find people who would listen to the gospel. And uh, I, I'm not, I'm not poo-pawing that. It, that's, we, we, that is the strategy. It is key people and key cities and key tools. But you can, God can lead you into that without even knowing that that's what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and we just sort of, well, that's all we ever do. I just force gump my way through life anyway. <clears throat> and uh, and and that's what we did in Hungary, and that's that's how we arrived at at where we are. Can you hand it to Kale? 
Yeah, so like what, what Brett was saying, so Brett's been there about 10 years, and then I, I joined Brett about five years ago. I, I think I shared this on Sunday night, just literally because Jeff Bartel, my pastor, was like, hey, you're Hungarian, you should meet this guy. And it literally was, was just happened. So, and, and so when he tells the story about, because he doesn't even, he, he didn't even give the whole story about like why hungry, but it, it which is fine. But it, it's just funny because his brother is this enigmatic guy who just lived in Hungary and knew government officials and volunteered him to pay for camps <laughs> because the government said, hey, if, if you'll pay for camps, you can preach whatever you want and kind of just told Brett he was going to do it, and so he started doing it. So it, it wasn't even like a, like if you were going to do missions in a country, you would send a team or send a family, start doing Bible studies, plan a church, start doing outreach ministry, and it just kind of happened backwards, and so it took 10 years to get, get to the point we're at, but it's kind of neat, though, because once we get over there, we can start actually, Bible studies are almost ready to be formed. Brother was the first key man. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so he uh, he started dating this Hungarian uh, uh, woman uh, when he was over there, and she had a bunch of friends that were involved in childcare, and uh, and the Hungarian government ten years ago had just pulled something from the that they were trying to save money, and one of the things that the Hungarian government did is they provided summer camps. Uh, at, at Lake Balaton, if anybody knows where that is, um, uh, they provided summer camps at Lake Balaton for, for all the orphanage kids um, in, uh, in Hungary. Well, they pulled that to save some money. And uh, so the kids were distraught. And Blake told them, well, you know, I have a brother and, you know, he's a pastor. They've got a lot of money and he'll, he'll, do, he'll do the summer camps. <laughs> Uh, and he didn't tell me that he told him that. So I remember it was three o'clock in the morning. This, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Uh, it was three, three o'clock in the morning and Blake calls me. It's not, you know, not three o'clock in the morning for him. It was a very convenient time for him. Who cares what time it is for me? And uh, yeah, he, he calls me and says, uh, hey, what are you doing this July? <laughs> well, what day? Well, the whole month. What am I doing this July? Nothing. You know, kind of a deal. Well, you've got a lot of work to do. We've got to put together at least four weeks of camps. Why? Well, I told them you would, you know. And, and he starts explaining how, the, how impoverished these kids are and how open they are to the gospel. And Blake actually arranged all of it. Uh, he just said, listen, Brett will come over and he'll, he'll talk to uh, his friends. This is before I had friends, you know, so he, he missed the boat there. And, uh, and he'll get other churches involved and we'll do summer camps. But on one proviso, they have to be able to preach their message and convert without impediment um, uh, or, we, or we won't come. But if you let us come, and the deal they cut is, and we still have this deal. We're the only church that the Hungarian government, the only group, because we had to form a uh, government organization in order for, for them to work with us. So out of that was birthed the Hungarian American Fellowship, which is basically a Trojan horse to get Baptists over to preach the gospel to kids. <laughs> and, uh, and so when we got there, um, <clears throat> they, had, they, had, uh, they, had two, they had two rules, one of those rules being 
uh, no mass conversion. So when you're dealing with the kids, you cannot ask for a crowd to do anything as a crowd. Uh, so there's no raising of hands. There's no everybody come forward. So what we had to do is, it's actually, it worked out better for us. We can convert, but we have to do it in, in small groups, and they have to want, they have to make the initiation of wanting to do that. So we have to do, most of our conversions are done one-on-one or one-on-three. Of course, there's normally a translator. And so, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, it was actually, to be honest with you, I mean, even, even the cool stuff that was set up, my, my, my carnal brother set it up for me while I was asleep uh, in Michigan. And, and, and we just basically said, okay, fine, we'll come and we'll preach the gospel. And it's a quid pro quo thing. They don't care what you preach as long as, as long as they look like they're movers and shakers in their world. They want to be able to say, look, we made these American contacts and got these, uh, got these people to come over and provide camps for our kids, you know, these Americans. Because they look at Americans as ATM machines anyway over there. So if they see you, they see money. And uh, we've been able to learn to use that for our advantage. Um, and to this day, the government has said, for as many camps as we can provide, um, they, will, they will bus kids in from all over the country. As many weeks as we can do, uh, as many camps as we can provide, they will provide the kids. And uh, that's the deal that we have to this day. So, Cale, you're going to go there and you're going to do what? So, it, at the moment, so the summer camps is what got us in. Um, so, it, it, that's not like necessarily the long-term Go. I mean, we're not going to stop doing summer camps, um, but but for now, we're going to just once we get over there, we're going to start talking to all these contacts in the different cities um, that we know. And so, essentially, <clears throat> what Brandon and Dan have been talking about with the Discovery Bible Method and and the Bible studies is, you know, Brooke and I will live somewhere, and then we go to this city over here, start a Bible study, go to this city over here, start, and then so hopefully, Brett and I were actually just talking about this last night, so it's. Everything's a work in progress. But the idea would be to have like four or five cities that were tilling the ground in this all the time. And then, you know, best case scenario, four or five Bible studies turn into churches over five years. Worst case scenario, maybe one sticks, you know. So, so we're just going to till all the contacts that we have and see what happens. So. Awesome. Beautiful. Any questions for them on the, the, the work in Hungary? Uh over here, guys. What's it look like for trips? Like, mission trips over there. Um, no idea. No idea. Talk to me, though. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm very unprofessional, so, like, hit me up on Facebook or something. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Talk to your pastor. That sounds more professional. Any other questions? Okay, we've got just a few minutes before we need to go on break. Um, George, is there anything that we need to be praying for you guys out of <coughs> Rochester about? There's always a long list to pray for anybody for sure. I, but listening, to, rather than bring forth a prayer request, pray for, pray for us, our church, and all that. But... What I would like to say, and maybe I can add some value to this, is, is this statement. That what you people are doing 
is the right thing. I'm kind of an outsider in, in not because I go way, way back. You can tell by looking at me, I've been in the ministry longer than most of the younger guys that are here, but we've been in missions in our church for 52 years. How old are you, Pastor? 50. 50, so we've been doing missions longer than your pastor has been alive. Now, that doesn't mean we're smarter. This is, what, this is my point. My point is this. We got involved in missions because our church is a church plant. That's how our church started in 1966. Somebody came to Rochester, a family, a pastor and his three sons, and started from scratch. So we started we, as, a, as a church plant. And I suppose most churches do at some point or another, but that's where we started. We got involved in missions. Our church was started out of the Baptist Bible Fellowship. Some of you know Springfield, Missouri. My, the founding pastor was from Springfield. The second pastor was from Springfield. And so we started, and they, had a, they were a very much involved in missions. But they found men, and then they collaborated. Six, seven hundred churches would get together. Guys would travel around in deputation, try to raise their support, and then go around the world. Well, that was our introduction to missions. Well, we were young. We were brand new. We didn't have anybody to train to send to the mission field, so we helped other people do that. Over the years, we developed discipleship. We started figuring this stuff out. We started discipleship in our church in around, uh, I would say, 1974, 1975, what you people are doing here. Not to the same sophisticated level that you're doing it, but we realized that that was important. And we didn't get that from some, actually, um, well, I won't even say that that's where it came from, but we realized you've got to give people more than a Sunday morning service to get them planted in their Christianity. So our discipleship ministry grew. We started out with lessons, so many lessons. Those lessons were expanded. We started a Bible institute. We had people in our church, men particularly, that wanted to learn more than just showing up on Sunday morning and Sunday night and even discipleship. So they got involved, and then you know what? Some of them wanted to plant churches, and some of them wanted to go to the mission field. And we kind of stood around and said, okay, now what do we do? How do we do that? So we're figuring this out. We're an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist church, and we're trying to figure this out on our own. We really, we didn't know of a model ourselves. And I'm not saying there wasn't a model, but we got very closely affiliated with Kansas City Baptist Temple. Way back, first time I preached at KCBT was in 1977. So as KCBT began to grow in discipleship, I'm going to KCBT every year. I knew Jeff Adams when Jeff was 26 years of age before he ever went to the mission field. So we're, we're sharing notes and sharing ideas and following along with what KCB is doing. So we developed a lot of the things in our church along with or under the direction or model of Kansas City Baptist Temple, where many of you have your roots come from. So I'm just saying all that to say this, I'll, and I'll quit. What you're doing here is the right thing. This is the way it's supposed to be done. We did this accidentally, but let me give you the re results. Our church is 52 years old. Our church has sent out 180 families into the ministry in 52 years. We have graduated 125 
graduates of our Bible Institute who have a four-year, 100-credit-hour, at least, education from our Bible Institute. We're doing the things that you are doing here. You're way past us now, though. You have, you have your methodologies and systematization of all of these things, listening to Dan Renault and Brandon and, and Sam. You guys have taken this to the next level beyond what we have ever done. So I am here as a student. I want you to know that, and we're learning. My pastor was saved in our church at 19 years of age, got a finance degree, went to our Bible Institute for four years, went to the mission field for 11 years. He's a product of all that. Now he's my pastor. He was led to Christ under my ministry, and now he's the pastor of the church. He's my pastor right now. That's the way it ought to be done. I like it, okay? That's all I have to say. Praise the Lord. Yeah. That's a, that's a model, man. That's an example, a testimony. We thank God for you, Pastor. Father, we do thank you for Pastor George, Pastor Grace, and uh, the church in Rochester, and Lord, the, uh, just the example, and Lord, the testimony of how you work through your people. It's very valuable, very precious to us. It's very encouraging. And so, Lord, thank you. Lord, we pray for your blessing on... Um, the church in Rochester, the church in, in Wildwood, the church in Lee Summit, the church in Harrisonville. Lord, these are wonderful churches full of our brothers and sisters that, God, you're using to rock the nations for your glory. And, and Lord, we want to ask for your blessing on them, thrive them in their local churches. God, we ask that you'd give them liberty this Sunday and that the word would have free course and that souls will come to Christ and and saints will be edified. Lord, protect them from evil. Lord, we know the wicked one is always at work. And uh, there, are, there are wicked, unreasonable, faithless men who would seek to undermine who they are and, and, and what they're doing under your command and the leading of your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we pray for your protection and your encouragement, Lord, your strength. Lord, your grace over their ministry and the life of their church. God, let them only grow. And uh, Lord, to grow in faith, to grow in grace, to go from strength to strength, that, uh, Lord, the work of the, the ministry at home, but Lord, also abroad, Lord, that uh, uh, the, the Great Commission would, uh, would greatly advance because of how you're using uh, these churches. And so, Lord, bless them, we pray right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take a short break. Uh, go get another cup of coffee.